So we've been in a series called Fake News, and tonight I actually titled this message, Who Are You Wearing? Who are you wearing? What does that mean? Where do I get that from? Has anyone ever heard that before? Who are you wearing? I was watching the Emmys on Monday, and that's where I heard it. That's where I got the idea for it. I believe it came from Joan Rivers years ago when she was doing the red carpet, and she found that it was boring, so she decided to ask a weird question to somebody, which was, who are you wearing? Um, award shows. What a one of my least favorite things to do, I did it because I love you people, that I watch the Emmys. We're, we're watching millionaires celebrate themselves, right? Give, give each other awards, clap for each other, then they get up there and they tell you and me how we should live our lives. They're overpaid, take your paycheck and go home. We never have a preacher award show. I've never been invited to one of those before. Um, but we're going to look at who you're wearing. It's really cool because over the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Tim has been going through the book of Colossians where we get the theology of Christ, right? We get to see who we are in Christ. But here in chapter 3, we get to see Paul telling the church, actually telling us how to walk, how to practically live as Christians. So we're going to break that down. We're going to go over that today and uh, see what that really means. But who are you wearing? I believe that clothes can identify us to other people, right? You know a police officer when you see one? You know a fire person when you see them? A nurse, a doctor, an EMT by what they wear. We even do it at the church. I see a bunch of you right now with Waters Church t-shirts on, right? Uh, you know our parking team wears those bright yellow shirts. Our security team has those dark black shirts. Our kids workers, you can identify our kids workers by the room and age of the kids that they're, they're watching for us, that they're teaching and guiding for us by the color shirt that they're wearing. So we can be identified by what we wear. And I have that question for you guys today. Who are you wearing? Some fake news with clothes, I would say, that we hear from the world, right? Uh, Clothes make the man, you know, dress for success, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. That's kind of the fake news out there. That's how I'm going to tie it all together. But uh, so we're going to read today. I'm going to read. You're going to listen and you can read along. If you would stand with me, pull out your paper Bible or your app Bible and you can read along. We're going to read the whole Colossians 3 and see what God has to say to us tonight. All right, so Paul's writing, if then, which is the qualifier. So he's talking to Christians right now. If you're not yet a Christian, I hope that you leave here today with some truth and some knowledge that will guide you in your life. And maybe you'll call yourself a Christian one day. But right now, Paul's talking to Christians. He says, if then, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, here Paul's telling us what to do. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you so also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. Let us pray. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to meet safely under your house and under your word here today. I ask, Father, that my words be most of all pleasing to you, but also helpful to the people that are here. I ask that if I say anything that's not of you, Lord, that you block the ears and block the eyes to hear and see. But if anything comes from you, Lord, I ask that you give us all ears to hear and eyes to see your truth and your knowledge. Thank you, Father. And above all, let us see Jesus. It's in his mighty name that we pray. You may be seated. All right, guys. So if you would, pull out your bulletins. And you might be a little frightened as you look at these. There's a lot of notes. There's a lot. You're all walking away with carpal tunnel today. I guarantee it. It's good for you. It's a good kind of carpal tunnel. Now, I'm going to blast through these because there are a lot of fill in the blanks. So I'm going to go point to point to point, and hopefully we're going to walk away with some truths. So let's just jump right into it. I want to let you know, as a citizen of heaven, you need a new wardrobe. You need a new wardrobe. Look at here at Waters Church, we have a lot of new Christians, which is an awesome thing, right? And when I say new Christian, I mean if you've been walking with Christ for four, five, six years, you're considered a new Christian, right? If you're a new Christian, much like getting a new job, you need a new outfit. You need a new wardrobe. You need to change your clothes so that you can show up in that job, much like being a new Christian. Maybe you're here today and you don't yet call yourself a Christian, but I'm hoping by the end of this message, you want a new wardrobe. And maybe you've been walking for, with Christ for 20 or 30 years or so, but you still haven't been able to take off that old nature. You're still walking around in those filthy, dirty rags. That's okay. Today, I'm hoping you're going to get some tools that will show you how to put to death those old clothes and put on that new nature in Christ. That's exciting. I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. All right, moving right along. The next fill in the blank. I told you, carpal tunnel's coming. Next fill in the blank is what I think about I will eventually act on. What you think about, you're eventually going to act on. Now, I'm not talking about create a vision board and you can make your thoughts into reality. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But 
what we put into our mind, what we think about, eventually comes out in our nature, right? Paul says it right here, to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of earth. He's not saying to walk around just thinking about what heaven's going to be like, you know, what I'm going to be doing. I'm sitting up there with a harp on, on a cloud, you know, all the, singing all the time. No, we have to think practically while we're here on earth. You're, uh, if you're a Christian, you're a representative of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven here on earth. And we have to identify that way. So the next fill in the blank, like I said, we're moving right along, is to rid ourselves of our old clothes, thoughts, and desires. Paul tells us not even just to rid ourselves. He says to put to death. That means to kill. That means to annihilate. That means it no longer exists. He says put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And we're going to break that down. He talks about sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Now, I know this is a sensitive issue for a lot of people, but there's things that God needs to peel away from us in order to make us into the image of Christ that he wants us to be. All right. I have a question for you all. Can people tell you're a citizen? If you're a Christian, can people tell you're a citizen of heaven by what you wear? Now, I don't mean your clothes. I don't, I'm not telling you to go out and get a bunch of Jesus freak t-shirts right now. That's not going to do much. And I'm definitely not telling you to go home and write Jesus Christ on your label. You know, that's not going to do anybody any good. But how do people see you? How do they identify with you? Are you a peculiar person in your workplace, at your school, wherever you hang out with your friends? Do they identify you as a citizen of heaven? So two actions that I'm hoping that we can apply after today is for us to take off and to put on. Take off and put on. And we're going to look at what those things are. We're going to take off and put on in just a few moments. But uh, actually, let's take some things off right now. Let's get right into it. First thing Paul talks about is the physical action of everything that comes before it. He's talking about sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. I have people that come into my office all the time. Hey, we just want to live together first so we can see. No, God does not want that for you. It's not a trial experiment. What is sexual immorality? It's real simple. Sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, that's sexual immorality. And we face consequences if we are Christians when we live outside of that. But where does that come from, right? Sexual immorality is that physical action. But Paul's real clever here because he traces it back to tell us where it all comes from. Sexual immorality, the physical action, comes from impurity. Impurity here are just simply lustful thoughts. They're lustful thoughts that manifest into that sexual impurity. Where, do, where does that impurity come from? It comes from passion. Now, passion can be a good thing if it's directed at the right thing, but in this context, Paul's talking about sexual immorality. That's what the whole thing's about. So passion leading to impurity leading to sexual immorality. Where does the passion come from? It says evil desires. Evil desires, again, in this context, is an intense urge for sexual immorality. And where does that come from? It comes from covetousness. Paul traces it all the way back. To covet something is to want something that isn't yours. Are you married yet? No, then it's not yours. So you shouldn't act on it. What we think about eventually leads to our actions is what I want to tell you guys. Uh, where else do we hear about coveting something in the Bible? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. What is that talking about? That's a sexual immorality, to want somebody else's wife. Same context. I love when the Bible lines up like that. 
cool thing. You got quiet in here. You guys all right with me? I know we're getting some heavy stuff today, but it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. Because Paul starts, it's really cool what Paul does there. He starts with the action and he traces it all the way back to the thought. The thought is what will eventually, and that's your next fill in the blank, thought leads to action, action leads to identity. What you think about, you'll act on. What you act on is how people view you. And you need, as a Christian, to be viewed as a citizen of heaven. You know, Christians in the ancient world actually stood out, particularly because of their view on sex. There were a lot of pagan religions of the time that um, required temple prostitute worship. But we, and, and we're kind of peculiar these days. Actually, a lot of my friends think I'm peculiar. I hope your friends think you're peculiar for different reasons. But our views on sex, if you're willing to abstain before marriage, you're going to look like a strange person to your friends, your family, your coworkers, your school, all that stuff. But God wants that. God's going to use that. God did that to the Jews at the time in the, in the Old Testament. He would bless them. They would obey him. They, they'd obey him. He would bless them. They would stand out to people. They would want what they had so they would seek after. That's why people came to Solomon and asked him so many questions because they wanted to know why they were so richly blessed. And then they got to learn about the truth about God. That's our jobs to represent Christ, God, as citizens of heaven. But we can't do that if we're not walking right. We can't attract people to the truth if we're not living right. So thoughts lead to action. Action leads to identity. Um, Paul continues to address the Christian, going on a little bit further in the text. He talks about, he tells us to put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Now, it's really cool. Paul is also real clever. Right here, what Paul is doing is reversing the order. He starts starts out with the cause and traces it all the way back to the action. What's the cause? What's the thought process here? I'm angry. That leads to my wrath. That leads to malice. That comes out and manifests in the physical form with slander and obscene talk. Really cool what Paul does. Uh, Quick little story. Do you guys watch America's Got Talent at all? Uh, So really cool. Just finished. The winner was a magician from Boston. He was really good. But the fifth place, the guy who got fifth place, a guy named Michael Ketterer, uh, he was a worship leader or is a worship leader, so he's a Christian. Right, So that's how he's representing himself to the world. And for the first few weeks on that show, everybody loved this guy because he's a foster dad to four disabled kids. And he sings with passion. He's not the greatest singer, but he has so much passion in him that people were, you know, just loved to watch him and listen to him sing. Well, unfortunately, it came out just the other night that he was arrested for domestic violence for him and his wife. This is a guy who people were praising for the good things he did, but underneath it all, now we all have a sinful nature, right? But underneath it now, are people going to remember him for singing in fifth place in American Idol, for, um, for fostering those foster kids, or are they going to remember him for beating his wife? And that's what we need to keep in mind, how we represent ourselves when we walk out into the world. We need to put to death sexual sin, Paul writes. We need to put away our wrong attitudes. We need to put away evil speech. We need to take off deception from our hearts. People lie to make themselves look better, but all we're doing is feeding our own ego. We're only puffing each other up, puffing ourselves up in our own pride, and that's not healthy, and that's not good. You know, there are consequences in this life. There's the wrath of God. Paul writes right here, because of these things, 
The wrath of God is coming. You might say, but Chris, I'm a Christian. There's no wrath of God on me. Paul's writing to Christians. That's what he's doing right here. Maybe you didn't realize that there are two types of wrath of God. There's the passive wrath of God, which is meant for all believers. And then there's the act of wrath of God, which is meant for the whole creation. See, we're all separated from God, if you haven't heard, because of sin. But God made a way by sending his son, Jesus Christ, that all that believe in him and receive him will be changed and saved eternally. And that's the hope that we all have. And that's a beautiful thing that we all have. But as a Christian, there are consequences. Let me say it like this. Um, a loving father disciplines his children, right? If, if, if God loves us so much, he's going to If God doesn't discipline you and you're doing wrong and you consider yourself a Christian, you got a problem. You, you better ask yourself, am I loved by the father? Because he's not paying attention to me. That's a scary thought because every Buddy who is a child of God should be disciplined and growing and pushed closer to God. You ever see on a sitcom where the, the guy comes home and he gets caught smoking by his, his family members and they sit him down and they make him smoke the whole pack of cigarettes until he gets sick? That's like God giving you over to your sin until you realize it's not good for you and then you come back. That's a prodigal son. That's the story of the prodigal son. God is willing to give you over to your sin in order to draw you back. There are consequences to sin. And it bothers me, it scares me. There's nothing that upsets me more than when I see somebody come to Waters Church, get saved, go through the waters of baptism, they get in a small group, their life is turned around, and then I don't see them for two or three months, and I wonder what's going on. And then I ask about them, and I find out, no doubt, my first guess is, I bet they're dating a non-Christian. I bet they are. They're hanging around with people that don't have the same foundation as them. They think that they're going to change that person. Well, you hang around with too many people that you think you're going to change their opinion, they're going to change yours. And you're going to get pulled away from church. You're going to get pulled away from God. And there are going to be consequences. You know when I see those people come back into our church? They come back battered, bruised, on their knees, sometimes pregnant, sometimes they're back on drugs. And, you know, there are consequences to what we do. God will use all these things to draw us back home. So we need to have a healthy fear, a healthy fear of God. I remember growing up as a kid, my, my father who raised me, if I didn't do my chores, I didn't watch TV. If I got bad grades, I didn't get to go out at night. These, this is a healthy fear we have, and that can motivate us. That's what I'm trying to say. This, this healthy fear is a motivation that can help us move forward. Now, there's also the act of wrath of God for non-Christians to worry about. So if you don't call yourself a Christian, maybe you might be a little, if you believe in God, and if you don't, I just want to let you know he's real, so you should believe in him. But we're all separated from God, and he gives us all that chance to come back to him. That's why God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. So there's only one way back to God. There's only one way to be redeemed to the love and Father. Look, I grew up Catholic. I know a lot of people here probably did. If somebody told you that you have to work your way to be loved by your Father in heaven, they were either misled themselves or they lied to you. There's nothing you have to do except, except that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross. If you believe that, if you receive that, then you have eternal salvation in heaven and you're gonna be called a child of the living God. And because of that, 
If you're a child of the living God, because of that, you should have a healthy fear of God that gives us motivation to live right because we don't want to face the wrath of a loving father. The passive wrath of God is an okay thing. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. A loving father disciplines his children. But the act of wrath of God, if you have that fear in you and you don't call yourself a Christian, you don't have to leave here today with that fear because you can call yourself a Christian. You can be welcome into the family. You can be a child of the living God and not face that act of wrath. That's a beautiful thing. Sin does have consequences. I read a study that showed that one in four, no, one, yeah, one in four women and one in six men will be sexually abused before they're 18. If that doesn't make your stomach drop, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, the world is broken. We're separated by sin, the sin in the world, but God made a way and all of us can overcome that. I just wish the whole world was Christian. We wouldn't have those statistics, but it is what it is. There's something wrong with the world. So motivation can be fear. Fear can be a good thing. God gives us fear for a reason, and he will use what he gives us, active and passive uh, wrath of God. So how do we get rid of it? What are some tools that we can find to use to, to take off our old nature, to take off our old clothes and then put on the new ones? Well, you have to hate your sin. Paul says to put it to death. Put it to death, to kill it, to crush it, to end it. We, we, we need to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Look, God gave us the emotion of hate for a reason. I really believe that. And it's not to hate other people. You need to love other people, but we need to hate our sin. That's why he gave us that emotion. We need to hate our old nature because he wants something better. I pray every day that I want to be more like Jesus and less like my earthly self. And I hope you all do too. That's a good prayer to do. Jesus actually talked about hating your sin, right? He used the metaphor, if your left eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Please do not go home and pluck out your eyes and cut off your hands. I do not want to see a bunch of handless people here next week. That wouldn't be a good thing. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He was actually using modern-day warfare terminology, right? He was actually at the time when kingdom rose up against kingdom, the kingdom that won, they would take all the leaders from that kingdom and they would literally blind them. They would take out their eyes and cut off their hands. They put them into slavery so that they could not rise up again. This is what the Philistines did to Samson. They blinded him in hopes that he wouldn't rise up again. But how many people know that God can use a blind man to take down an army? That doesn't matter. So you have to hate your sin. That's what you need to do. It's good to hate your old clothes. Get your carpal tunnel right now. Keep writing that out. It's good to hate your old clothes. That's my next fill in the blank. So here we go. I love you guys so much I'm going to embarrass myself. Do you remember what you wore in high school? Would you wear that now? Yeah. No, no, you wouldn't. Thank you, front row. And neither would I. Uh, do me a favor. Put that. So this is my high school yearbook picture. Hey, yes, I had hair at one point. Stop it now. People, what is wrong with me? That's a silk jacket with shoulder pads. That's a silk shirt buttoned up. I'm not even wearing a tie. I'm wearing three beads. I went to Bishop Fan in North Edinburgh, and I thought I was a surfer in L.A. What's wrong with me? All right, take that down. I can't see that anymore. That's my Zach Morris picture. So uh, there was a point where I had a closet full of silk shirts. I don't know why, but that was the style when I was in high school. Or it was my style in high school. I don't know if anybody else did it. 
My point is I had to burn those clothes. I thought about giving it to the homeless, but I didn't want to do that to the homeless. So I burnt those clothes. They're destroyed. They're gone. They're dead. That's what we have to do with our old nature. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys. We have to hate our sins so much that we're willing to give it up. The Puritan John, um, John Owen said, be killing sin or it's going to kill you. We've got the active and the passive wrath of God to worry about if you're Christian or not. Sin can actually, actually kill the Christian. God will give you up so much that it can actually take your life. Now, you still have eternity in heaven, but God can use that to just take you out of the world. If you're not a good witness for him, he can take you out of the world just so you're not a bad witness anymore. That's the passive wrath of God. That's fear that we need to have in our hearts. So true believers receive discipline and will have a healthy fear of God. Let's look at, uh, I'm feeling a little bit naked right now. We've been undressing. Let's look at how we get dressed. Let's look at how we get dressed. We need to put on the wardrobe of Christ. Yes, that's your next fill in the blank. Put on the wardrobe of Christ. You have to see how different you are. You're a new creation with a new wardrobe. Here's some, fake, here's some more fake news for you, right? The world says that sin is freedom to do whatever I want. I'm in Christ. I can do whatever I want. No, Christ says there's only freedom in me, in him. All right, so next fill in the blank. We're going we're gonna to switch it up a little bit because I've been talking about the fear of God. Fear is a great motivator. Fear can motivate us to do the right thing, but not everybody responds to fear, and God knows that. So he gives us another example, another thing that we can do. He's going to use love. He's going to tell you who you are. And here we're going to break this down a little bit. Look at your fill in the blanks here. Let me tell you who you are if you're a child of God or who you can be if you want to be a child of God. God says that you are saved by grace. There's nothing you did to earn it. You don't deserve it. He's the one that came after you. You're saved by grace. You're a chosen people. God chose you. You didn't choose him. He sought after you. You're a chosen people. You're set apart. God says you're set apart to be different, to be peculiar. He also says you're dearly loved. God loves you. Do you love him? Ooh. You're set apart. Look, Moses was told to take off his sandals because he was on holy ground. So is the Christian set apart to be different from the world. Don't be conformed to the world or its thoughts. Be different from the world. Refresh, renew your mind every day with the word of God and prayer. So we're saved by grace. We're a chosen people. It's a wonderful thing. Love motivates us. Love is a great motivator. You're dearly loved, God says. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son for us. Love isn't just a gushy feeling. Love is an act, is an action. Look, if you're married or you're not married and you love somebody, if you love somebody, you're not going to have eyes for anybody else. If you love God, you're not going to have eyes for anything else. Love's a motivator. All right, so let's get dressed. Let's put some stuff on right now. What does Paul tell us to put on? We've taken off our old nature. That's fine. Let's move on. Let's put some stuff on. Here's some stuff he tells us to put on compassionate hearts? Do you care about other people? Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and care for other people? That's why I love Waters Church. We have so many opportunities to do ministry here. That Waters on Wheels is another example. Maybe, you have a, maybe you're not serving at Waters Church, but you have a car and somebody lives near you that needs a ride, sign up. Help somebody get to church. You're partnering with us 
to preach the word of God just by giving somebody a ride here. It's a wonderful thing. So a compassionate heart, not just a heart, a compassionate heart. How about kindness? Are you kind? Are you kind to people when it's, when it's difficult? It's, it's a difficult thing sometimes to be kind to people, especially family members, I know. How about humility? We're called to be humble. It's another reason I love Water Church. You'll see somebody preaching up here one week and then teaching a class or serving in the cafe the next week. You'll see our elders. We have elders that are on our security team, right? You'll see our band members one week up here playing instruments and singing and behind a camera the next week. How you doing, Kim? I see you right there. It's great. They're humble people, and we're called to be a humble people. Are you humble? Are you meek? Do you see yourself less important than other people? Because the world doesn't. We're all selfish people. We're all puffed up and prideful people. But God tells us to be meek people. Jesus said the first will be last. Are you willing to do that? Or do you want to be seen as an important person all the time? Here's another one. How about patience? Ooh, that's a hard one sometimes, right? Patience, two areas I have to work on that. Driving in my car, dealing with my family. We all have to work on patience. I, uh, I realize when I try to do things under my power, when I'm doing things for other people, I get frustrated very easy. You know, when you try to compare yourself or you say, do they really deserve this? You know, I should get this. What are you doing? You're doing it in your own strength for that person. But when, when I tell myself, and so could you, you're doing it for the Lord, you're doing it for God, it's a lot easier to do, and you're filled with joy while you're doing it. And when you do those things in secret, God says he rewards you. He rewards you in public when you do those things in secret. All right, moving right along, because I got a time limit here. How about forgiveness? Forgiveness. God says he forgave you, so you need to forgive others. Jesus said if somebody comes to you seven times in one day with the same sin, if they, if they wronged you in the same way seven times, and, and seven's just a qualifier there. It actually is God's number of completion, so he's talking about infinity. If somebody comes to you and says they're sorry, you need to forgive them. God forgave you if you're a Christian of all your sins, your past sins, your present sins, your future sins. They're all forgiving. You can't unearn salvation. You can receive the passive wrath of God, but you can't unearn your salvation. So are you willing to forgive other people as you were forgiven? Now, the next one's probably the most important. Paul tells us it binds all things together, right? Love. Love is that action. And we already mentioned God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for you on the cross. He was nailed on the cross so his blood could be poured out and save all all of mankind. It was enough to save everybody's sins. There has to be nothing happen again. You can't work your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do. Going to CCD, getting confirmed, getting baptized. That doesn't do it. There's nothing you can do except to accept Jesus if you believe that. The Bible says there's only one unforgivable sin, only one unforgivable sin. And that's to reject the Holy Spirit. That's to reject Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can't be forgiven because that's the only way into heaven, which is to receive and believe in Jesus by grace and faith. So do you have that forgiveness? Do you have that love? And here's the last one. I really like this one because Paul, and it's an important one. Love's important, definitely, probably the most important. But the last one's thankfulness. And why is this so important? Because Paul mentions it three times in the last two sentences. 
So it's important to be a thankful person. Real quick story that I heard about this, um, this guy wanted to become a monk, right? For some reason, he wanted to become a monk. So he shows up at this monastery, and he finds out when he gets there that it's, uh, they take a vow of silence, right? So he's like, okay, maybe I'll give this a shot. We'll see how this goes. So the cool thing about this monastery is every two years, you have to go to your superior, the superior monk, and you're allowed to say two words every two years. So two years go by, this guy is doing his chores, right? He's praying, he's reading every single day, and then finally he goes before the superior monk, and the superior monk says to him, okay, what would you like to, what would you like to say about your first two years? And the monk says, food stinks. And the superior monk looked a little surprised. He's like, okay, we'll see what we can do about that. Maybe we'll order out next time. But no. So for the next two years, the, uh, the young monk, he ate. He did his chores, right? He read and he prayed. And then when those two years were up, four years in, he went to, up to the superior monk. The superior monk said, okay, this time, how were your last two years? And uh, the younger monk said, bed, lumpy. The superior mongers are like, okay, bed is lumpy. Maybe we can get some new mattresses around here. We'll see what we can do. So for the next two years, the young monk, he slept, he ate, he prayed, he read, he did his chores. Two years went by, he went back up one more time to the superior monk, and the superior monk said, okay, it's been six years. What do you have to say about your time here? And the young monk looked at him and said, I quit. <laughs> and the superior monk said, you know, I'm not surprised. All you've done since you've been here is complain. He said six words. I say that because thankful people are joyful people. Miserable people are complainers. Do people see you complain all the time? Are you walking in joy because of what God has done for you? That's what I want you to take away. It's important to be thankful, to have love, to have forgiveness, to have patience, to have meekness, to be humble and kind and compassionate. This is what God wants for us. This is what we do because what God did for us. This isn't moralism. This isn't doing things in order to get. This is what we do in obedience because what God has done for us. And we're so happy about that. I have one more story uh, about this that just, I think, a friend of mine told me about this mother, right, that so every single day she gets the kids dressed and washed and feeds them and gets ready to send them off to school. She took care of all their physical needs. But all three kids, before they leave, she asks them a very important question. She says, do you have your armor on today? Do you have your armor on today to each one of them? That's in Ephesians, the armor of God. If you have never heard about that, go home and read Ephesians. It's very similar to what we're talking about today. But the point of that story is to say she set them up physically by meeting their physical needs, and then she set them up spiritually for what they were going to face throughout that day in school, in work. Now, if you don't have a mom at home to dress you and feed you and ask you if you have your armor on, that's okay. Look in the mirror every day and ask yourself or tell yourself or get, get alone with God some way and put your armor on every day. Get dressed. Clothe yourselves in these things that Paul's talking about. We also need to be in relationship with other believers. That's why we're always talking about small groups. It's so easy to feel disconnected from the church uh, when you're not in a small group. It's great that you come here every single Sunday. I hope you do. You should be. It's great. Support your local church. 
but you should also be in small groups. That's where we see life change happen. That's where we see community. This is how we're going to affect North Attleboro, Winsocket, all of New England by making a difference in the world with things that, you know, God has us doing through these small groups. We get to do cool things. We have Trunk or Treat coming up next month. That's all through small groups. You want to get involved with Trunk or Treat? Join a small group. We go to the Providence Rescue Mission every, every single month. We're going today to, to help feed the homeless there and nurture them spiritually. We go every single month, and people always come up and ask me, hey, how can I get involved in uh, the Providence Rescue Mission? My first question is, are you in a small group? No. Well, we use small groups to go there. So if you want to get involved in something like that, you need to join a small group. Oh, we also have other ways, right? You should be reading your Bible every day. You should be praying every day. You should be in constant contact with the Lord because he's a loving father who wants good things for you. Here's another way to stay connected. How many people uh, watch Waters Church podcast? Like five of you? All right. Let me inform some of you because you might not know. Waters Church has a podcast. It's called the Deep End Podcast. We took the summer off. It's coming back this Wednesday, 12 noon, Facebook Live. Have a whole new set. Really cool thing about it is you can ask questions as we go along. We call it Bible study on your time. And this season, we're going through the book of Revelations. I knew I was going to get a lot of oohs there because people are always curious. And Pastor Tim is going to explain it. He's going to answer questions. And he's going to go through, the, you know, the book of Revelations. That's an exciting thing. So we need to get along with God. We need to be in small group. We need to be in community together. And uh, all right, last fill in the blanks. We're going to talk about my new wardrobe in Christ has. Nobody has carpal tunneling yet? You're doing okay? Last time. Okay. Clothes that will never go out of style. Like my silk shirt, never go out of style. You have clothes for your new character. You're a new creation. You have clothes for your character in Christ. This is how people are going to see you and identify you when you put on kindness and patience and love and all that good stuff. The other day, uh, Monday actually, I was at, I was babysitting my little one and a half year old niece. And I never realized how, how messy babies are. <laughs> Like, literally, I, I was afraid that my sister would come home and say that I did a horrible job, so I changed her, like, four or five times, because every time that I changed her, we went over to the water, and she got soaked, and then we went over to play in the sandbox, and, the, and then we were playing around with the chalk, and she's got chalk everywhere. I changed her four times so that she would be clean, much like a baby, a new Christian, sometimes you need to change those clothes multiple times a day. Look, we all fall. We can all fall into sin, but you need to get back up. You need to change your clothes, put on your new nature. You need to cast that old one off. You need to put it to death. You need to hate your sin so you can finally walk as a new creation that Christ wants you to be. I also realized something uh, about babies while I was uh, watching her. So I have a couple little dogs over the house, and she keeps trying to pet the dogs, but she pets them like this. She doesn't pet them like this. She slaps at the dog. So I had to get her hand and go, no, no, be nice, guy. Be nice. Be ni I think I said be nice 125 times on Monday. Do I have to tell you to be nice, to be kind, to be patient, to be loving, to be humble? I shouldn't have to. We have a lot of things, um, a lot of things that we went over tonight. But the last question is that I have for you is the first question. Who are you wearing? Maybe I shouldn't ask you. Maybe I should ask your husband or your wife. Maybe I should ask your boss or your teacher, girlfriend, boyfriend, 
brother or sister, how do they see you? Are you representing Christ, not just with what you wear, but in your character, in your identity, with the way you live? Is that what you're doing? I hope so. Last fake news that I have for you right now. The world says that you can't wear white after Labor Day. God says you can wear white every day. <laughs> 